0: Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast. We are a member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll get into other SoCal sports when it matters, but we're mostly about the L.A. Rams here. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 34. Week two of the 2021 NFL season, just about in the books. Got one game left tonight. The Lions at the Packers, our buddy Jared Goff, taking on Aaron Rodgers. What do we have this episode? We have a recap of that crazy Ram-Colt game. Rams pull off the win. It was much more nerve-wracking than it needed to be, though. We're also going to sneak in a little bit about the refereeing at the college level Saturday. Saturday was a horrible day for the Zebras across the country. And then we'll do our loop around the league. And a reminder, we have that midweek drop now. Thursday, the primary focus of that will be a preview of the showdown between the two teams that appear to be the class of the league right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. That's going to be a lot of fun at SoFi Stadium. Can't wait for that. Before we get into our recap of the Ram-Bear game, After two weeks, seven undefeated teams left in the league, just seven. In the AFC, we have just two. The Broncos and Raiders, who would have thought the Broncos and the Raiders, the last two undefeated teams in the AFC after just two weeks. In the NFC, there's five, three of them, of course, out of the NFC West, the Rams, Cardinals, Niners. And two out of the South, the Bucks and the Panthers. The Panthers, my sleeper team. And who's sitting at the bottom of the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks with that one loss. Rams Up on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Let's get right into that recap, shall we? 27-24 27-24 over the Colts in Indianapolis, and wow, what a crazy game it was. Too crazy for my liking, actually. Can we just have a 40 to nothing win one time, please? Rams went ahead 17-6 in this one and looked to have things under control. And then due to some bad and unlucky football, they fell behind 21-17 early in the fourth quarter, putting McVeigh's 38-0 record when winning at halftime in jeopardy. But the Rams get a huge play from Cooper Cup, and Stafford follows that up with a touchdown past a Cup. Rams get the go-ahead touchdown, 24-21. Colts answer with a field goal. Rams get the game-winning field goal from Matthew Gay. And the defense holds serve. Rams win 27-24. If I had to sum this game up, Looking back, we'll see this as a game where the Rams went into a hostile environment, overall played fairly well, but made some big mistakes, had some things go horribly wrong, but still found a way to win. However, I still have some concerns about the overall play of our defense, between the 20s especially, and we have some shortcomings on special teams, and I do not mean Matthew Gay. He has been solid. And how about Matthew Stafford? How do you feel about our chances with him breaking the huddle in the fourth quarter, down or tied, as opposed to Goff? Now, I'm a fan of Jared Goff. I think he's a better quarterback than most of you are willing to admit. But it's certainly a different vibe with Matthew Stafford in those situations, that's for sure. Let's revisit my Ram Colt preview. What were my fearsome four keys to the game? Well, one was don't allow Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly to neutralize Aaron Donald in what was called the trenches matchup of the century. I think Donald did pretty darn well. He was an impact the entire game. So check that. Rams took care of business there. Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly didn't necessarily play poorly, but Aaron Donald was a factor all game long. Fearsome key number two was contain that Colt return game. I'm not sure we accomplished that entirely. We had a blunder on that opening kickoff once again. This time it was J.R. Reed collapsing too early. Colts ran the ball out to the 41. Not good. And Johnny Hecker had a couple of poor punts, and that might have been because of the threat of the Colt return game. Both of those poor kicks he angled out of bounds, and it did not play out well for the Rams. I wouldn't say we had totally accomplished that. Hecker had one good punt, and then that horrible play we'll talk about later. Not going to put that on him, but our special teams need some work, and we did not win the kicking game battle, aside from Gay and Blankenship pretty much going even-Steven. Now, my fearsome key number three was, I thought, a no-brainer containing Jonathan Taylor with Ty Hilton out, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson still possibly a little banged up. Don't let Taylor go off. And you know what? In retrospect, I don't even feel like that was the Colts' focus in this game. To maintain possession, move the chains with Jonathan Taylor. He got his touches. He had a few nice runs. But it wasn't really like he was the guy we had to worry about in this game. So I'm going to say we accomplished that. But... I think that maybe shouldn't have been a key in the first place. The key should have been containing Carson Wentz, keeping him in the pocket because he really hurt us extending plays. So we lost that battle. Seems like we had so many plays where we should have put him on the ground and we allowed him to escape, extend plays, convert first downs. And my fearsome key number four was don't get off to a slow start, a road game, early start in the Midwest. And, check, we got off to a 17-6 lead, so that was not a problem. What were my fearsome four big plays of the game? Oh, this was so difficult. I had a list of about nine, but I settled on these four. That two-point conversion off the tip pass, so unlucky, really changed everything. Changes the strategy moving forward. And what made it even more painful was the fact that the Colts tipped a pass early in the game and that led to a Colt interception. Rams tip a ball on a two-point conversion, and it pops up right into the hands of an eligible receiver, and he walks into the end zone for two points. So that was a big play and a painful play. One of the other big plays I have to mention is the interception by Reeder on that shovel pass by Carson Wentz. Just a poor decision by Wentz, and I think I mentioned in my preview that Wentz is prone to that making mistakes, and that one had to hurt. I'm not sure what would have happened if he had held onto that ball, but an interception there is a bad deal. And so that was the second goal-to-go situation where the Colts came away with zero points. Big play number three, Colts had taken the lead. Rams are facing a second and 10, and Stafford hits cut for 44 yards. He felt like the game was maybe slipping away. That crowd was going crazy. Colts were pumped up. That play made me feel a heck of a lot better about our chances of coming out of this with a win. And sure enough, moments later, Cup scores a second TD. Big play, another pass, and boom, the Rams are back in the lead. And play number four, this was another one that went against us, that Nick Scott-Johnny Hecker fiasco. I'm not sure what to say about that other than Nick's got to step out of the way on that. And Johnny has to find a way to cover that up, take a safety. That's a five-point swing. Killed us. I did look at that on replay, and that was a tough play for Johnny. He never really had a grasp on the ball, but still, I'd expect better from him. Cover that, get down on the ground, preferably in the end zone, and we free-kick it away, giving up only two points. There are a few other honorable mentions that I... Certainly had to consider one was that play early in the second half, Stafford to Cup. Those guys are connecting like crazy. Leonard Floyd had two big plays early in the game. One was busting through on that second and goal on the Colts' first possession, disrupting the run play. That set up a fourth down where Floyd came through with a sack of Wentz. So two big plays there to deny the Colts. And another one was that Injury to Carson Wentz on Donald's tackle. I'm not sure if that changed the outcome, but it certainly might have. Not having Wentz on that final drive, it was kind of desperation time anyways, but I felt much better about our chances having Jacob Eason out there instead of Carson Wentz. Game notes of interest, the Rams had some uncharacteristic drops. Darrell Henderson had one, Van Jefferson had one right before that punt fiasco. Even Robert Woods had trouble holding onto the ball. So that was kind of strange. And by my count, that's two weeks in a row where we've had broken plays. That's not good. Maybe partly due to having a new quarterback. Not sure whose fault those two plays are, but got to get that cleaned up. And I have to say, you know, it's fun watching Carson Wentz play back in his Eagle days and now with the Colts. He's a fun guy to watch, but his playing style, you know, he's going to get hurt and he's going to continue to get hurt a lot. But give him credit for extending all those plays. And as far as our defense, I have to say I'm really disappointed with our inability to get three and outs. We had a third and 14, and Michael Pittman beats two of our safeties on a desperation pass by Wentz. That one was the most painful. But we're getting very few three and outs, giving up these long drives. And that's not like the defense we saw last year. But got a couple of new guys, new defensive coordinator, Come out with two wins with their defense not playing at its highest level, in my opinion. So hopefully we'll see some improvement in that moving forward. Some player props. Daryl Henderson, I think, has really shown great patience in his running style. Not sure about his injury, by the way. Sonny Michelle stepped up. He showed patience, too. And his carries late in the game were critical. Jake Funk getting some action. He actually had three kick returns. I suspect the Colts were kicking a little bit short because they wanted him to return the ball, but he held up. Ball security, got the ball out 20-25 yard line. And he is also on the field late in the game after Henderson went down. Did not get a touch. Maybe he'll get some touches next week. And for the second week in a row, the Rams really did an excellent job protecting Stafford. On most plays, they had a very nice pocket for him. He stepped up into a clean area, delivered the ball. No concerns there. Offensive line... Continues to play very well. And Van Jefferson, you know, I've noticed he's an excellent blocker. Announcers pointed this out once. And that's why he's out there. He's a big dude. And Rams now have three receivers, very competent receivers, and all three of them are willing blockers. Makes me wonder how much we'll see Deshaun Jackson and how long it will be before we really see Tutu Atwell get integrated into this offense. Jefferson just needs to hang on to those low balls that drop on that low ball. Needs to catch that. And Matt Gay, as I expressed before the season, that was one area of concern. Can we count on him? And so far, the answer to that is yes. Now, he hasn't hit long kicks, but he's hit some clutch kicks. Starting to feel much better about our kicker. And Aaron Donald, my God. I think he got a little pissed off there after that Kenny Young ejection. But even before that, I mean, I know Quentin Nelson is good. He's very good. And everyone's been dreaming about this matchup, the best offensive lineman in the league against Aaron Donald. Well, from what I saw, it was actually a mismatch. It just goes to tell you how good Donald is. He's incredible. And when he got spun up, he was playing like a man possessed. Nobody had any chance against him. You know, I almost think there's an unwritten rule that when you're blocking Aaron Donald, the refs are going to let you get away with a little bit more than they would otherwise. It's so impossible to block him that they kind of wink at the offensive lineman and say, you know, we're going to let you hold a little bit because we know otherwise it's going to be a very long day. Flags will be flying and none of us want that. So you can hold a little bit. We'll look the other way. Just don't overdo it. I don't think there is a single holding call all day on that offensive line. Yet, if you watch that game, there could have been 20. And on that Kenny Young ejection, it was kind of hilarious. Jalen Ramsey becomes the voice of reason. Gotta love that. Bad days. Well, I think Johnny Hecker had a bad day. I think Nick Scott had a bad day. One blunder. It's amazing. One little coaching point can throw a game sideways. Uh, They'll get that straightened out, but so thankful it didn't cost us a game. It easily could have. And I don't know if you know, but Nick Scott had the last tackle of the game, so that was kind of nice for him. And J.R. Reed on that coverage of the kick. Bad play there. Turned out to be a pretty minor thing. Basically free 20 yards for the Colts on their opening drive. And a bit of bad news, Justin Lawler broke his hand during the game. So he will definitely be out a while. And of course, need to find out about the severity of the Henderson injury. My coach's corner, the only question I have coaching-wise is putting Tutu Atwell back there for a punt return. His first punt return, while you're leading 17-6 on the road. You got the game in hand, you throw him back there. If it's me, I have Cooper Cup back there. In that situation, fair catch, get down on the ground. It all worked out well, and Tutu secured the ball well, got popped and secured the ball well. So it's actually a good thing we learned something about Tutu. Maybe they're ready to set him loose on punt returns now. He's passed the litmus test, but I still thought it was odd to have him back there in that situation. As far as refing goes, I already mentioned the looking the other way on the holding, but we have to talk about that play on the goal line where Kenny Young was ejected, he was clearly incensed, pissed off about something that happened, and he spun around and accidentally struck the bill of the ref's cap. It was clearly an accident. Now, if he had done that because he was celebrating a play, no penalty. But because he did it in anger, NFL office chimes in, yep, he's out of there. Not the ref's fault, really just a rule thing. Can we just assess whether it's an accident or not and not penalize a guy if he does that accidentally, even if he's pissed off when he does it? I remember this happened to a Ram defender years ago. Might have been Aaron Donald. I'm not sure. Very similar situation. A Ram was pissed off, swung around in his arm, hit the referee in the chest. He was done for the night. And by the way, the result of this play aligns exactly with one of my sports pet peeves, a couple of months ago, one penalty gets marked off 15 yards and the other gets marked off half the distance to the goal. Makes absolutely no sense. I understand why they both had to be marked off, almost like they're two separate plays, but a penalty against the offense going in should also be half the distance to the goal. Never going to happen. Why would two penalties be marked off potentially twice as much against one team than the other? And the announcers. I actually like Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma and Lindsay Zarniak. That's Lindsay with an A, by the way. They're solid but unspectacular. Vilma actually adds great perspective without going overboard on the analysis. Chimes in when he should. My only criticism was actually of Vilma comparing Cooper Cup to Heinz Ward. I thought that was kind of odd. I I would compare Robert Woods to Heinz Ward and... Style of play and demeanor. And by demeanor, I mean nastiness. But Cooper Cup, Heinz Ward, I don't really get that so much. Small critique there for Jonathan Vilma, but I thought they did a good job overall. Well, that's it for my Rams-Colts recap. And as McVeigh said after his press conference, I think I need a beer now. We'll come back with a word about reffing in college football. Specifically, the bad reffing we saw across the country on Saturday and then we'll have our loop around the league. I wanted to squeeze in a bit here about college football, specifically the shortage of quality refereeing across the country this year. Let me start by saying that the 65 universities playing football across those five power conferences generate $4 billion of revenue every year. So keep that in mind when we consider what's going on on the fields with respect to the referees. This past Saturday might have been the worst day referees have had in recent memory, but it's been bad. It's been really bad these first few weeks of the college season. Start with Auburn at Penn State, SEC refereeing crew. Penn State has to punt on third down because the refs insist it's fourth down, and it isn't, it's third down. Refs say, nope, fourth down, you guys might want to punt, so they do. Later in the game, Auburn quarterback, running out of bounds, would-be tackler chasing him. As they kind of hit the sideline, the defender has a hand on the quarterback, and they roll out of bounds and they both fall down. Quarterback kind of sells it. 15-yard penalty, personal foul. Horrible call. Could have been a game changer. Actually kind of annoyed me. Herb, Herbstreet was a big fan of the play. Big fan of the quarterback selling it. That kind of surprised me. Wasn't a fan of Herb Street's view on that play as much as I like him. And towards the end of the game, there was a questionable targeting call. Ball carrier leaning for the end zone. He's at about the two-yard line. Looks like he's not going to get in, but he's got the ball kind of horizontal to the ground. And defender comes in and gives him a crack. Legal hit. Now, the ball carrier was exposed, was very vulnerable. But he also still had a chance of scoring from a defender's perspective. So targeting call and player ejected. This targeting role, we're going to talk about that in a pet peeve one day soon. I could see maybe a personal foul on that, but I'm still not buying it. But it's worse than that, of course. It's an actual ejection. Crazy. Now, Mississippi State at Memphis. This game was a humdinger. Mississippi State punts. One of the guys on the coverage teams smacks it back before it gets into the end zone. Balls rolling around inside the 10-yard line. Another guy on the coverage team runs by and touches it. And the referee throws his hands up in the air, signaling the play is over, throws the marker where the ball should be downed. But no one's blown a whistle yet. So a guy in Memphis picks it up, runs it all the way back for a touchdown. And it stands. It stands as a touchdown. So there's a number of of issues here. Number one, the referee should not have thrown the marker and put his hands up. Number two, once he did, the play should have been over. They reviewed it and decided, no, the play should stand. And additionally, Memphis State had two guys wearing the same number, which should have been a penalty as well. But the big issue is the refs calling the play dead, putting his hands up in the air. What I want to know is, did Memphis see this on film? Did they notice that Mississippi State was not securing the ball? And that's the key. You need to secure the ball, not just touch it. Did they see this on film and prepare for this? If they did, good for them. But bad on the referees for marking the ball down and bad on the referees on review not calling that return back. Oklahoma State at Boise State, we all know by now that referees should not blow fumbles dead. Plays that look like they might be a fumble. Let it play out. And you can review it afterwards and decide if it was a fumble or not. Well, they did the opposite in this game. Final three minutes of the game, Boise State down 21-20. They force a fumble. Guy scoops it up and returns it for the touchdown. But the officials had blown it dead. Blew it dead. Did not follow the protocol. They review it and they say, oh yes, it was a fumble. But guess what? Because we blew it dead we got to give you the ball right here. So Boise State has that touchdown wiped away. They have the ball. They drive down. They miss a game-winning field goal. So the refs kind of stole a win from them there, in my opinion. As young as this season is, we've already seen way too many questionable calls, bad refereeing, especially at the Power 5 level. These Power 5 teams, the money they are generating We can't get better refereeing. That third down punt was the capper for me. I mean, I've seen things like that at a youth football game. 16-year-old kid making 20 bucks a game to get yelled at by adults. Makes a mistake like that. I've seen that. And even then, they'll correct it, right? They'll get it right. The white hat will stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on here? It's not fourth down. It's third down. Fix it, Jimmy. And get it right next time. We'll talk about this after the game. But Auburn-Penn State, they lose track of downs. Auburn at Penn State. Two ranked teams. National television. Hey, does anybody know what down it is? Everybody does, except the referee and crew. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's do our loop around the league, shall we? Start with that Thursday night game. Pretty entertaining. Washington football team comes out on top 30-29. I was actually following that game on my phone. Shame on me. Looked like a lot of fun. The Giants fans rightfully upset. Had some calls go against them. Daniel Jones ripping off runs. Who saw that coming? But Giants come out on the short end. The Panthers beat the Saints 26-7. Now the Panthers, as you know, that's one of my sleeper teams. I picked them to get into the playoffs. Right now they're 2-0. Panthers defense dominated that game. But let's keep in mind the Saints had two top corners out. They had seven coaches out with COVID. They played a home game in Jacksonville last week. Practice in Dallas this week. Traveled to Carolina for a divisional game. I think we can give them a pass. They'll be back. They'll be okay. Bears beat the Bengals 20-17. Joe Burrow threw... Three picks on three consecutive throws, one of them a pick six. Andy Dalton was knocked out of that game, so Justin Fields finished. But it was really that Bear D that won that game. Be interesting to see if this is the changing of the guard. Will next week be Justin Fields' time? Browns knock off the Texans 31-21. to A little bit tougher than we expected. We may have overlooked the Texans. They're at least playing competitive football. Remember that UCLA running back slash wide receiver, Dimitri Felton? I talked about him in our draft analysis. Is a guy I really liked. Player you might categorize as a weapon. Well, he made his mark, cut a short pass, and made a great play to turn it into a 33-yard TD. So that was nice to see. Baker Mayfield had a good game. Started out slow. There was a weird play in that game. The Texans picked up 13 yards on a third and 15 but there is a penalty. Penalty on the Browns. So the Texans are given a choice. You guys want fourth and two, or you want third and ten. So they take fourth and two, and then they punt. Yeah, strange day in Cleveland. The Broncos moved to 2-0, knocking up the Jaguars 23-13. Cortland Sutton had a big game, 159 yards receiving. Bills knock off the Dolphins 35 to nothing. Balanced effort by the Bills. Josh Allen, two TDs. Zach Moss, two TD runs. Devin Singletary, rushed for 82 yards. And most importantly, they knocked Tua out of the game early. Patriots shellack the Jets 25 to 6. Zach Wilson throws four interceptions. Not a good sign for Jets fans, but hey, it's only a second game. Let's give them some breathing room. The Raiders knock off the Steelers 26-17. After what the Steelers did last week to the Bills, this was a little bit surprising, but we got to keep in mind, Steelers lost four guys on defense, including T.J. Watt and Joe Hayden and Derek Carr. Took advantage. Ripped through that Steeler defense. Threw for 382 yards, and Henry Ruggs finally shows up. 113 yards receiving and a TD. Bucks demolished the Falcons 48-25. to Falcons actually hung with them for a while. Kind of surprising the Bucks are given up that many points. The Cowboys hand a heartbreak loss to the Chargers, 20-17. to If anybody can be upset with a referee in this week, it's the Chargers. They had two touchdowns taken off the board. I have not watched this entire game yet myself, but the consensus seems to be the Chargers got screwed by the refs over and over and over again. Herbert still looks good through a bad interception in the end zone, though. Divisional games, the Cards escape with a 34-33 win over the Vikings. A Vikings kicker misses a short kick. The game winner as time expires. Man, that would have been nice for the Rams if the Vikings had been able to pull that off. 49ers get off to a slow start. Come back and beat the Eagles 17-13. Early on, the rushing attack for the Niners was invisible. Elijah Mitchell, I think at one point he had six carries for minus five yards of some Horrific number like that. He ended up with 42 yards rushing on 17 carries. And Brandon Ayuk, something strange going on with him. Everybody was pumping him up, thought he was going to have a big season. He has been flat out invisible. And the Seahawks get stomped by Derrick Henry late in the game, lose in overtime. In my opinion, Russell Wilson, his style of play, always trying to be the hero, really hurt them at the end there. Took a bad sack back at his one-yard line. Seahawks punt. Titans move the ball downfield, mostly Derrick Henry, kicked the game winning field goal in overtime. And early on, this was one of those typical Seahawk games. Breaks all go in their way. The Titans had a touchdown to Julio Jones, overturned. Questionable. I thought it was in. Certainly not enough to overturn it. And the Titans also missed a field goal. Seahawks 1-1 one one lose at home to the Titans. And the Sunday night game. The Ravens pull it off. Hang in there and beat the Chiefs. 36-35. to 35. Chiefs looked like they were going to move the ball downfield and kick a late field goal. But a late fumble. Ravens recover. Faced with a fourth and one with a chance to run out the clock. Or do they punt and give Mahomes one last chance? They go for it and convert for the win. Got to give them credit. Lots of cojones there. And they pulled it off. So we still have the Lions at Packers, Jared Goff, trying to get the Lions in the win column. So remember, we'll have a Thursday morning drop. We'll check in on all our game picks, see how we did. Give you a little hint, we did better than last week. Picked up some ground on a couple of the experts. We'll have a couple other neat features. And, of course, a preview of the two teams that are probably 1-2 in everyone's power rankings at this time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium next Sunday. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at Podcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube Royalty Free Music Audio Library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.